0: Does God's best plan for us include telling a lie? Next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? One of the topics that we rarely discuss on our program is Mormonism's heretical and fanatically and illogical view of the Garden of Eden and the fall of Adam and Eve, which plunged all of humanity into sin. Mormon doctrine and their gospel principles teach that Adam and Eve handed mankind a great favor yeah, that's true. <laughs> by disobeying God when they chose to eat the forbidden fruit. Now, some of them teach it wasn't a sin. They say it was a transgression, right, yeah. and a transgression is okay under certain circumstances, well, they must be relying upon some warped reasoning to come to that conclusion. Now, most of us who were raised in Mormonism, and that would include both of us,
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. we are aware, at least most people should be aware, that Brigham Young taught some very radical ideas, and he claimed many of those ideas came from God. Almost anywhere in the world, if you say the name Brigham Young, it will bring a response to the listener of the Mormon church and polygamy. And
1: polygamy, yep.
0: (laughs) And it's doubtful L the the LDS church will ever be able to shake that image. It's just too powerful powerful and too radical and and too deep-rooted and too true. (laughs) Some of what Brigham Young taught, the LDS church denies and ignores. Some of it they tweak to mean something else, and some of it they have adopted into doctrine. And certainly the Mormon polygamists have embraced more of Brigham Young's radical ideas than than today's LDS have. Brigham Young was a Mormon prophet, but they say about his failures and also about Joseph Smith's failures that they are only prophets when they act like a prophet. But when they claim to be a prophet and they claim their message is from God, shouldn't that be categorized as acting like a prophet? You'd think so. (laughs) You would think so. Brigham Young had plenty to say as a prophet about Adam and Eve, polygamy in the Garden of Eden. Now, he said this about being a prophet. Notice the spelling.
1: Yeah, this is from the Journal of Discourses. I have never particularly desired any man to testify publicly that I am a prophet. Nevertheless, if any man feels joy in doing this, he shall be blessed in it. I have never said that I am not a prophet, but if I am not, one thing is certain. I have been very profitable to this people. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting spelling too, huh?
0: Yeah, he related the word prophet P-R-O-P-H-E-T, and profitable. Was it really about money and and economics for Brigham Young? Sounds like it, doesn't it? Brigham Young claimed that his sermons when they went public were as good as Scripture.
1: Yeah, he said, I have never yet preached a sermon and sent it out to the children of men that they may not call Scripture.
0: So when we (laughs) quote him... scripture can we rightly assume that since his religion labeled him a prophet and his sermons and his speeches can be considered scripture so they should be God inspired right we begin with the foundational Mormon teachings on what happened in the Garden of Eden now many people deny the biblical account of the Garden of Eden for various reasons but Jesus affirmed the Garden of Eden he affirmed Adam and Eve he affirmed the first marriage And it was monogamy. And if if Jesus believed it and taught it, that's good enough for me, especially since he was there and I wasn't. Brigham Young wasn't there either. And he said this.
1: Yeah. uh, (laughs) In the beginning, after this earth was prepared for man, the Lord commenced his work upon what is now called the American continent, where the Garden of Eden was made. In the days of Noah, in the days of the floating of the ark, he took the people to another part of the earth.
0: Now Brigham Young misplaced <laughs> the geographical location of the Garden of Eden. That's a pretty big error. Yeah. What else did he say about it?
1: When our father Adam came into the Garden of Eden, he came into it with a celestial body and brought Eve, one of his wives, with him.
0: So he not only misplaced the Garden of Eden, he also misidentified Adam and Eve. Adam did not come into the Garden, and he didn't come in with a plural wife named Eve, nor did he first have a celestial body. That's all a myth. You can read Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and get the information that God has given us, and none of it parallels Brigham Young's account. And God was there, and Brigham Young wasn't. Even the Joseph Smith version of the Bible, which is totally suspect, says that God created Adam out of the dust of the ground, and that would make Adam terrestrial, not celestial. That's so true. But Mormonism has taken a strange twist on the account of disobeying God and eating the forbidden fruit. Bruce McConkie said that to gain salvation, a person must correctly understand the story of Adam and Eve's
1: fall. Yeah, this is from his book, New Witness for the Articles of Faith, page 82. It is not possible to believe in Christ and his atoning sacrifice in the true and full sense required to gain salvation without at the same time believing and accepting the true doctrine of the fall.
0: See how he's put the two together? Yeah, one, You right? can't have the one without the other. So the next question, obviously, what is the true doctrine of the fall? Well, first of all, Mormonism believes in a pre-existence or a pre-mortal life in heaven before we're born on the earth. And our time here is what they call a time of probation to see if we will be obedient. Now, hold that thought. (laughs) Our time on earth is a test. Our time here is what they call a time of probation to see if we will be obedient. I already said that, didn't yeah.
1: I? I? No, but <laughs> I that's <got> true. Confused <laughs> here.
0: Our time on earth is a test, and we can become gods if we pass the test, which has all kinds of requirements and works and secret handshakes and temptations and rituals and secret temple ceremonies, obedience to their ordinance and, and laws, and, and on it goes. Strange that they believe these things because the Bible never teaches anything even close to that idea. The Mormon's Pearl of Great Price explains that there were gods that were making (laughs) plans for us before we came here and for our earth life uh, of the mortals after we came here. Yeah,
1: this is from the book of Abraham, chapter 3, verse 25. And we will prove them herewith to see if they will do all things whatsoever the Lord their God shall command them.
0: and this is a council of the gods getting together right. and that's what they said. They'll prove us. So we're here to pr- be proven. Yeah, be tested. Know, and if proven. we're going to be obedient. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's important to remember. Mormonism notes that God's first command to humans was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, which means have lots of kids. But they mistake the rest of the story because they claim that the commandment to be fruitful and multiply was more important than God's command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that Adam and Eve could not even have children in their celestial bodies they needed mortality first so you can see a lot of errors are creeping into this to begin with now in order to gain mortality they had to sin and then and only then could they understand God's plan of salvation and only then could they obey God and fill the earth with children but they also teach that in eternity future Faithful Mormons and polygamists will procreate forever in their celestial bodies. That's what they now, we, we wonder how they can have eternal sex and eternal childbirth in their celestial bodies, but Adam and Eve couldn't, mm. if they had had celestial bodies, which they didn't even have.
1: Interesting thought. <laughs> Talmadge says this in his art book, Articles of Faith, "...there was as yet neither procreation nor death. These would enter the scheme of things only after the fall." Adam and Eve had to break the lesser commandment and incur the fall in order to fulfill the greater commandment.
0: So you can see here now they're saying they have to sin in order to obey God.
1: Transgress.
0: Transgress. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: Now the Pearl of Great Price records, records Eve as saying that if it had not been for their disobedience or transgression, they never would have had children or have known good and evil. The joy of redemption would never be experienced, and eternal life would not have been available to God's obedient children. You can read this in Moses, chapter five, verse eleven, in the Pearl of Great Price. And we have to note here: this is not Christian scripture. No, this, this is, is Mormon. All
1: Mormon scripture. scripture, and this is in t- in the temple too, as well. Exactly. Kind exactly. Of wording and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. they they believe that Adam and Eve had to obey, so they and we could learn how to obey. They had to disobey so we could learn how to obey. But does God require us to disobey just so that we can learn how to obey? That doesn't make sense, does it? (laughs)
1: Like Paul would say, God forbid.
0: (laughs) God forbid is right. When you try to make logical sense of this, you find a tangled web of illogical and doctrinal errors. And the Book of Mormon says this.
1: Yeah, 2 Nephi chapter 2, 21 through 25 For he gave commandment that all men must repent, for he showed unto all men that they were lost because of the transgression of their parents. And now behold, if Adam had not transgressed, he would not have fallen, but he would have remained in the Garden of Eden, and all things which were created must have remained in the same state in which they were after they were created, and they must have remained forever and had no end. And they would have had no children, wherefore they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy, for they knew no misery, doing no good, for they knew no sin. But behold, all things have been done in the wisdom of him who knoweth all things. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy.
0: So this is, some, you know, you, you, if you have the wrong foundation, you're going to come out with the wrong answers. And that's what's happened here
1: pretty obvious now, but (laughs) it wasn't then.
0: (laughs) Uh, And so Mormon doctrine teaches that Adam and Eve disobeyed, they transgressed, and it's called the fall. And when they fell, they fell in the right direction. They fell upwards. Upwards, Now, verse 23 is odd because it says that people have to know misery before they could have joy. Rob Bowman, who is an awesome biblical scholar, says this about that.
1: This argument assumes, as 2 Nephi 2, 22-25 also states, that it must be, needs be that there is an opposition in all things. In other words, good things cannot exist without their opposites. There cannot be good without bad, or life without death, or happiness and joy without misery. Based on this premise, these LDS scriptures reason backwards as follows. We cannot experience real joy without also first experiencing experiencing misery. We cannot know righteousness and goodness without first knowing sin and evil. We would not be able to change from sin and misery to righteousness and joy if we were already immortal beings. Therefore we must first be mortal beings experiencing sin and misery before we can become immortal beings experiencing righteousness and joy. In order for us to become mortal beings we must be born of mortal parents. In order for our first parents to be mortal, they needed to transgress God's commandment. Therefore, our first parents needed to transgress God's commandment in order for us to experience real joy. By this chain of reasoning, Mormons conclude that it was really a good thing that Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil.
0: Well, that was long and, and maybe drawn out, but it was very precise. Yeah, and it, it?
1: it and it explains the stretching that uh, Mormonism has to do to cover some of their doctrine.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, just yeah. to, to uh, and the and the problems that exist when they do. <laughs>
0: I kind of have a question. I know someone who said that Adam and Eve, uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says Adam and Eve could not have children before they sinned. That just isn't there. Um, One person said Adam and Eve did have children before they sinned, and those children were perfect. Hmm. And he says those were the sons of Seth, which comes up later in. In the um, in the first few chapters of Genesis, but we won't we won't go there. But if we told that to a very good faithful Mormon, what would they say? I, I mean, say, this guy believes that Adam and Eve did have children before now is they this, sinned When
1: you say this guy, is he a Mormon? He was a
0: pilgrim. No, I, oh. excuse me. No, 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 no. He was a Christian.
1: Oh, a Christian. But he had. Yeah, the Mormon the Mormon thinking is that there was no creation, there was no procreation until after the fall. But
0: how would they prove Adam and Eve could not have children? This guy thinks they did. Mormons think they didn't. How are, how can either one prove what they're saying?
1: <laughs> I I guess they can't. They I can't,
0: can no, they? No. Because it's, it doesn't say in no. the Bible. It doesn't say. No, it doesn't explain and that. if it doesn't say it, we can't come up with a doctrine that says that. <laughs> Absolutely, we can't. But they have. But they have, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Now, a very odd Mormon explanation comes from Joseph Fielding Smith, Jr., and he wrote this in Answers to Gospel Questions.
1: I never speak of the part Eve took in this fall as a sin, nor do I accuse Adam of a sin. And also, this was a transgression of the law, but not a sin in the strict sense, for it was something that Adam and Eve had to do. The fall of Adam and Eve was not a sin, but an essential act upon which mortality depends. So you can see this is all doctrine. We're
0: not making this up. We're not adding to and making it something that it's not. That is exactly what they believe. This was not a sin. It was a transgression of sorts, and he's not going to blame them for it. Well, God blamed them, so that's all that counts anyway, isn't it? And the Mormon-owned Deseret News published this statement.
1: That was surprising. In 1965... Adam fell, but he fell in the right direction. He fell toward the goal. Adam fell, but he fell upward.
0: (laughs) Doctrines of salvation said Adam and Eve's disobedience was not a sin, but was a transgression. So it's important to know the strict definitions of the words transgression and of sin. And we use the Bible dictionary to understand God's mind on this. And please remember, God is unchangeable, and so are his decrees. Now, the word transgression from the online Bible dictionary says this. It's wrongdoing, a violation of a law. It's the act of passing over or beyond any law or rule of, du- of moral duty. The violation of a law or known principle is a fault, an offense, a crime. That's transgression.
1: Wow. That sounds pretty serious.
0: Sounds pretty serious to me. What a
1: sin. The Easton's Bible Dictionary does this with sin. It is not a mere violation of the law nor of the system of things, but an offense against a personal lawgiver or moral governor who vindicates his law with penalties. Original sin is frequently and properly used to denote only the moral corruption of the whole nature inherited by all men from Adam. This inherited moral corruption consists in, one, the loss of original righteousness, and two, the presence of a constant proneness to evil, which is the root and origin of all actual sin.
0: So transgression is a sin against the law. Yeah. Sin is or against the lawgiver, and sin is uh, a, a sin against the law. Transgression is sin against the law. Sin is a sin against the lawgiver.
1: Oh, Oh, yes, that's what it says.
0: And they are both equally evil. (laughs) According to the definitions, both are equally corrupt. Both are a violation of God's law and both are moral corruption. Now, those of the Mormon persuasion, please tell us, how can corruption ever be good? How can it be considered good? Remember from recent shows that that a contradiction is two opposing ideas that cannot both be true at the same time. Yep. Yet the fall of Adam and Eve in Mormonism is considered a good thing. While the very word that they use to describe it <clears throat> is defined as being corrupt behavior. Corrupt behavior cannot be good. Transgression is corruption. Sin is corruption. According to the dictionary. You cannot have it both ways. No. Mormon Gospel Principles, Chapter 6, teaches this.
1: Some people believe Adam and Eve committed a serious sin when they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. However, Latter-day Scriptures help us understand that their fall was a necessary step in the plan of life and a great blessing to all of us. Because of the fall, we are blessed with physical bodies, the right to choose between good and evil, and the opportunity to gain eternal life. None of these privileges would have been ours had Adam and Eve remained in the garden.
0: In other words, (laughs) if we hadn't been disobedient, we wouldn't earn blessings which can only be earned by being obedient. That's right. It's all a massive head-scratcher. And you know what? That's another head-scratcher is Eliza Snow's statement. Now, Eliza Snow was a plural wife of Joseph Smith yeah. and also of Brigham Bring Young, uh-huh. right? So this is what she said, that, that uh, the curse, <clears throat> that, that, that polygamy was necessary for the salvation of the human family. It's necessary to redeem women from the curse. Yet the curse came from Eve's disobedience, which Mormonism has labeled as good but is defined as corrupt. And Eve's disobedience resulted in polygamy, which redeems from the curse of her disobedience. Uh, You know, have you ever heard of a riddle that (laughs) you just go
1: out? I think you said a (laughs) (laughs) head-scratcher.
0: You might note, if you read your Bible, that God did not curse Adam and or Eve. He cursed the ground and he cursed the snake, but he didn't curse those two people at all. You won't find it there. And another head-scratcher, and this is very important, is a question we borrowed from an online article.
1: Okay. If this was such a blessing, then when they heard God walking in the garden, why did they not go running to Him, clapping their hands, breathless with excitement, over-fulfilling His plan, acquiring new knowledge, and initiating mortality? Oh, Father, we have complied with your greater commandment and are ready for procreation. Now the rest of your children, our brothers and sisters, will have the opportunity to enjoy the same wonderful benefits as us. Why, instead, did they suddenly feel guilty and afraid and try to hide from God? Previous to that time, they had no more idea of guilt than they did of right and wrong. So it could not have been a false, self-imposed imposing guilt, it had to have been consciousness of an actual guilt of doing wrong. If their action was not sin, how did they acquire their sudden awareness of right and wrong? Genesis chapter three. Why did they seek to put blame on others and excuse themselves for their action if it was no sin? And
0: that is Such so true.
1: Excellent point. It is. It's a very yeah. good
0: point. And, and and again, we would like without prevarication for our Mormon or polygamous uh, polygamous viewers. To answer yeah. that with a logical, biblical answer, a non-contradictory answer that actually makes sense. Eating from the forbidden tree was not a good thing. And they didn't celebrate. <laughs> they, they hid from God That's in right. shame. They were. And and then what do they do in the temple ceremony? They put on the the, the symbol of shame, which is the fig leaf they
1: what of, and Satan's the one that... And, tells them to put on, and, hide it, hide your, see your nakedness. And, right. Yeah.
0: And, and as I'm going to mention in a minute, well, right now, when they ate from the tree, um, they, they obeyed the serpent. Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. In, and this is in Genesis chapter 3. And the devil is the serpent. It tells us that in Revelation chapter 12. So in reality, Mormonism is saying that disobeying God and obeying Satan instead is a good thing. That's what they're saying. Yeah, you put the, all that together, and you can't get away from that as being what they're all talking about. And again, we repeat Isaiah's warning in chapter 8, verse 20, where he's, God says, What are those who call good evil, and who call evil good? Mm. Obeying Satan is not a good thing ever. Transgression is not a good thing ever. And lying is not a good thing ever. <laughs> ever. Ever. <laughs> And yet that is what we find in the historical accounts of Mormonism and polygamy.
1: One of the things that really bothered me is I I saw my sister who had just passed away, and she was in her temple clothes, but they were prepping her hair and doing the things you do to put them in the casket and all that. And there she was lying there with this fig leaf apron on. And I thought, oh, if you only understood... What that really represents <laughs> has nothing to do with. It uh,
0: doesn't. It has know. nothing to do no. with. Uh, God cleanses us from, or Jesus cleanses us from these things. Yeah. So
1: I felt bad that they were <clears throat> relying on that, and, mm-hmm. and everybody does. All the temple-worthy people that have gone through the temple, they wear those
0: exact same those things. Yeah, wear them. In their wear caskets. them in their grave. Yeah. Now, we quoted Rob Bullman earlier, and he concludes his rebuttal of Mormonism's teaching about the fall being a good thing. He stated that they make assumptions and go way beyond the Bible and even teach contrary to what the Bible teaches. And he gives a couple of examples.
1: It is not true that the fall was necessary for Adam and Eve to have children. Before Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, he told them to be fruitful and multiply the command presupposes that it was possible for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply without violating any of his other commands. The Mormon doctrine of the fall requires us to think that God gave two conflicting commands to Adam and Eve, forcing them to disobey one in order to fulfill the other.
0: And that's and the, the Mormons admit that that's true. That is exactly they, they right. Admit that, but, but when we look at the doctrine of God and study him and his character, we know it can't be true.
1: That's such a good point. And really just, I mean, even the wording that we've shared here about what's in Genesis shows that it was, like you said, cursing the, the snake and cursing the ground, yeah. and, but not the, not
0: but the, not the people. Yeah. And God did not curse them. And yet Elisa, Eliza Snow would have all the women believe that they're cursed and they have to live polygamy. To redeem us from the curse. Yeah. Where go, where's Jesus? Yeah, you know, polygamy's the savior, not Jesus. In in that doctrine, yeah, it, it's really disgusting. <laughs> there's nothing in all of God's word that indicates Adam and Eve could not have had children before they ate from the tree Rob Bowman says they did not have celestial bodies they did have full mortality from the moment God created them even Joseph Smith's version of the Bible says God made Adam out of the dust to the ground and finally we want to quote Rob Bowman again as he makes a statement about Mormonism's idea that there must be opposition in all things
1: furthermore he says The Bible flatly contradicts the doctrine of a necessary opposition in all things. When God had finished making the universe and the living things on the earth, including the first man and woman, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. From Genesis 1.31. There was nothing yet bad or evil about anything in God's creation. He had created everything and it was all very good. Thus, it is not true that there must be bad before they can be good.
0: In fact, there was good before there was bad. And also, he points out that Jesus Christ was good. He was perfect and sinless and holy and all that without ever having participated in evil behavior. Mormonism needs to go back to the Bible and begin again with the truth of God's word and throw, throw out everything that they believe. Is contrary, that is contrary to what the Bible says. So
1: it's very confusing in Mormonism,
0: and part is. of it
1: is that they had some doctrine, and then they had to fill in the gaps, kind mm-hmm. of explaining the premortal life and explaining uh, where children would come from, and uh, you know, it just it's just that they had to kind of explain away some of these illogical. And in
0: doing and so, they just made it more, more illogical.
1: Yeah, and, and <laughs> they, and they had to move away from the Bible for their answers. Mm-hmm. Just so, like
0: this guy had to move away from right. the Bible by saying they, they did have children before right. they fell. Yeah. There's no biblical. Yeah, that's true. So go back and read your Bible. Genesis 1 through 3 <laughs> will give you the answers to both of these questions. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much, Earl. Someone said small faith in the true and living God is more powerful than the strongest faith in a lie. Jesus called it faith smaller than a mustard seed. The object of our faith is more important than the faith itself, and faith without a worthy object is worthless and can actually be dangerous, because God alone is worthy. In Revelation, all creation looks for someone worthy, and there was no one worthy to be found except Jesus. Your polygamous leader isn't worthy, neither is Joseph Smith or your living prophet or anyone else. None are worthy. So place your faith in Jesus Christ alone because He alone is worthy and He alone can make us worthy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This?
1: with host Doris Hanson. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by a Shield and Refuge ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.